Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the podcast. Jamie here, and I'm actually in the car right now, uh, driving. It's a Friday evening in beautiful Tamarindo in Costa Rica, and I know a lot of you guys are going to be super jealous because it's been super hot and warm today, but um, as I'm driving here in the car and I'm actually recording this piece of content, um, I'm actually being a little bit meta about what I'm going to be talking about on the podcast episode today. And a couple of days ago, um, one of the biggest mistakes that I've made uh, in the last six months kind of came to light. And uh, one thing that's happened, and so many of you guys who are scaling your business, you know, if you're approaching or beyond six figures, and you, you might have come across this problem. And this problem is something that I had in the last six months. Um, and it's kind of an interesting problem because it was all about me putting on the CEO hat. So uh, six months ago, uh, I remember being inside of my business and just being the marketer out there in my Facebook group, uh, telling stories, uh, really being, you know, the storyteller day in, day out and really living that attractive character that so many of us hear about. This guy who is, you know, putting out content, being very, very visible in front of my audience, posting on Facebook, being inside of my group. Um, And the challenge with that is that it was very, very hard to maintain whilst at the same time building systems. And uh, something that I hear Steve Larson and Alex, uh, uh, Alex Schaffen and a lot of different entrepreneurs talk about is that entrepreneurship comes in seasons. And so often we're switching between these three main roles. We're switching between the role of the entrepreneur who is the problem solver. We're switching between the role of the marketer who that's the dude that sells the stuff, right? That gets people to show up and even pay attention. And then the role of the CEO, which is building teams and building systems. And in the last six months or so, I very heavily been falling under the CEO category. Um, We've had all sorts of experiences in the last year from revenue going up and down, changing directions, changing team members. Um, As it stands as I'm recording this episode, uh, we actually had over 80% of our team get turned over in the last two months. Um, We had Gina who left the business after me and her broke up. We had two other team members who were working with us um, who also left the business. Um, So now it's kind of me and my main um, my main person, Francie, who's been in the business with me pretty much since we started, um, kind of operating in the CEO and the COO role, right? One person being the kind of executioner, the person who's executing on all of the vision, that's Francie, and me being the person that's kind of creating that vision. And what it's allowed us to do is, is by downsizing and by shrinking the business, it's really allowed me to step back and to realize what we really need to be focusing on. And one of the big things that I realized was that inside of my business, there's really only a couple of big levers that move most of the revenue. You know, there's that old saying that says, tiny hinges swing big doors. And in our business, I wanted to take a step back because we were downsizing, because we had, you know, two people instead of the five people that were inside of the business before, we just couldn't do all of the stuff that we were doing before. So it forced me to step back and say, okay, what is the important stuff that we need to be doing? And when I looked back at the business, 
20% of the activities were driving 80% of the revenue. And to actually be more exact, about 5% of the activities were driving 95% of the revenue. If any of you guys have heard of the Pareto principle, one of the things that you guys will know is that the Pareto principle stacks on top of it. So the Pareto principle, it's by that beautiful Italian economist dude who found some pea pods in his garden. And he realized that 20% of the pea pods produced 80% of the peas. But what's really fascinating is that you can have 80-20 on top of 80-20. And without trying to sound like a math nerd and getting all of you guys lost in the numbers, essentially it's quite common for businesses to have five or 4% of their revenue five percent of their activities driving 95 percent of the revenue now when we looked at it in my business the the part that was driving the majority of the revenue was sales for our program which is the podcast profit lab it's our 997 product um, it drives almost all of the revenue inside of our business uh, it's also a big driver of higher up revenue as well the more people that come through the podcast profit lab the more people join our high level inner circle program So when I realized this, and I realized that the podcast Profit Lab was the biggest driver of revenue, I took another step back and I said, okay, what is the biggest driver of sales of the podcast Profit Lab? And that time and time again has been our webinar. So we decided, you know, a couple of days ago to completely cut back on everything that wasn't to do with the webinar. We've been in the process of building a product that is a $27 product that was designed to be a self-liquidating offer, basically a front-end offer designed to break even to bring customers in. We just completely binned that off. There was another project we were working on, um, and we basically cut everything back down to just one very simple thing. How can we get more people to come and see our live webinar? And how do we make that live webinar as good as possible? Now, the eagle-eyed among you will remember months and months and months ago, I had a podcast episode where I talked about the number one secret that Russell Brunson shared inside of his Inner Circle program was the secret to hitting seven figures as quickly as possible. And he was in this big um, in this big room with Inner Circle with a hundred of his students inside. And I remember he, he was talking about bringing somebody on stage and they were like, Russell, oh, I just launched my thing. We just had an amazing launch. We had $100,000. What do I sell them next? And Russell's like, no, 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 no. Take a step back. You don't need to sell the next thing. You need to sell more of the same thing. And she's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. He said, the biggest thing that you need to remember is that the fastest way for you to build a million dollar business is to have one offer that you sell via a webinar and to run tons of traffic to it. You know, one form of traffic, usually Facebook ads. And he drilled this home inside of this inner circle meeting. And it's something that I've told you guys and I've shared a lot inside of my inner circle, but it wasn't something that I was actually following myself. There's a really wonderful saying that my coach always throws at me and it's called the cobbler's kid has no shoes. Just like the cobbler who makes shoes, his kid ain't got none. It's like me, the marketer, telling people how to market their businesses and then doing the exact opposite. So in recognizing that 95% of our business is delivered from sales of the podcast Profit Live through a webinar and realizing that I need to focus on the webinar, my next question was, okay, well, how do I get better at the webinar? And one of the biggest factors of this was, okay, the thing that gets people to buy other than the offer, because the offer is good, we can tweak the offer, but the thing that gets people to buy the most is the sales message, is the webinar itself. So what's the biggest component of whether someone's going to buy from me on a webinar or not? It's how well that I tell stories. 
So this week, I've been really dialing in and saying to myself, how can I focus on telling better stories? And as you guys probably can tell by this episode, the number one way to tell better stories is to tell more stories, right? We all um, listen to stories as a kid, but sometimes we, we, we don't tell that many stories ourselves. And telling stories for me has been a real stumbling block in the last six months or so, because I'm just not as good as it as I used to be. Now, you know, a lot of the inbuilt storytelling capability that I might have might still be under the surface, but it's like that musical instrument that you haven't played for a really long time that's not coming back through. I remember when I was in high school, um, I used to play the cornet. I don't know if you guys know this. The cornet is like an instrument like the trumpet. I'm super nerdy, right? Really, really nerdy instrument. I used to go to band camp and go to band practice and all of this stuff before I was this cool marketer that traveled the world, right? And I, I, by the way, I don't actually think I'm cool. That was kind of a joke, but you know, I used to be a really, really big band nerd. Um, and I actually stopped playing the corner when I was about 13 because it was really uncool, right? Like I'd sneak away in between lessons uh, in school to go and get these like kind of uh, corner lessons from my corner teacher. And I just remembered thinking, man, this sucks. Like I really want to be able to go and play guitar. And so I went and tried to learn guitar. I went and tried to learn um, the drums, kind of did a little bit inside of there. But one of the biggest things that was really interesting to me was that years later, when I was actually about 24, I remember coming home and finding my old corner at my parents' house. So, you know, being curious, I, I kind of got the corner out. It was completely like welded shut. Like you're supposed to like lubricate and oil these things so they don't completely fail. And this thing was like jammed shut. So, you know, I tried to get um, my way through it, managed to like tidy it up as best as possible. And then I had a go. And what was really interesting was that, you know, suddenly very, very quickly, you know, I picked up this instrument and I like straight up sucked. Like it was really, really bad. I could barely remember how to play anything, but I decided to try and pick it up more and more and more over the next week or so. And I think I, I think I probably practiced with it maybe four or five times. And by the fifth time that I picked it back up, I was actually getting quite good again. And the thing that was really interesting to me about this was that the learning curve for picking back up this instrument that I'd played for years was actually much shorter than I thought. Now, was I gonna turn around in two weeks and be as good as I'd been 10 years ago? Probably not. But you can almost guarantee that the amount of time that it would have taken me to get back to that level would be significantly less than if I was starting from scratch as a complete beginner. So the reason I share that story with you is that I think for a lot of us, you know, storytelling or skills that we possess, it's going to be kind of the same thing. And for me right now, it's practicing my storytelling abilities, you know, practicing this skill, because this is the number one thing inside of my webinar, which is going to help me to get better at selling more customers into the podcast profit lab. You know, and if I'm focusing on my product and delivering the highest you know, service and best quality service possible and helping real people, then I have to do my job as the marketer and be able to sell people into it. So if you're listening to this episode and saying, Jamie, actually that corner story wasn't so bad, you know, maybe you can see me kind of trying to practice this skill that I haven't done in a really long time. But one of the biggest lessons that I wanted to share in uh, this episode today wasn't just the fact that actually recognizing where the 5% of effort was driving 95% of the revenue, it wasn't just about recognizing that I needed to get better at telling stories. What I really wanted to share with you today was how I've decided to make it easy on myself to go and share these stories. So um, a couple of months back, I actually heard uh, 
uh, it was actually a video from Ian Stanley, um, one of my copywriting mentors. Uh, I actually think we're friends now, which is really cool to say, even though we haven't hung out in person, you know, we, we chat quite a bit. And one of the really cool things um, that Ian shared in this video was he was sharing about um, his Xbox. And I'm not an Xbox fan. I, I'm personally more of a PlayStation person, but I can completely resonate with what he was talking about. He was talking about the fact that he used to find that when he got to the end of the workday or the middle of his workday, you know, if he went into the kitchen to go and you know grab a bite to eat or to get a quick drink, uh, he would always sit down on his sofa. And when he sat down on his sofa, right in front of him on the coffee table was the remote control for his Xbox. And you know, I've been like this before. I always used to have my PlayStation controller on the coffee table. And what do they do with those game systems? They design them so that if you press a button on the controller, it turns the system on and you kind of resume where you left off. So Ian was having this struggle where every day he would come down, he would have maybe some lunch or something like that, and he would sit on his couch and he would be immediately tempted to pick up his controller because he knew that he could just press the button once and he would immediately be able to play the game. And this principle that he was sharing actually comes from a book by James Clear uh, called Atomic Habits, which is an incredible book. And uh, James Clear was saying, if you want to make a habit easier, make it if you want to actually have a habit that lets you do it more frequently, like if you want to do more of a habit, then make it easier to do. And if you want to get rid of a habit or make it harder to do, then you want to put more steps in between it. So in the example of Ian, what he could do here is instead of having that Xbox controller on the table, super easy for him to go and start pressing play and start playing his Xbox. Instead, if he locked his Xbox in a cupboard and he had to go and find the key and unlock the key and unlock the cupboard and pull it out and plug it in just if he wanted to play his Xbox, then he probably wasn't going to do it on his five minute lunch break where he stopped to take a bite. And the reason I'm sharing this with you guys right now is that for so many of us, creating content is a massive obstacle. So if I wanted to record a podcast episode in my office, I took a quick glance today at it and I realized that I've been using my Rodecaster and my awesome new Shure microphone because I want the quality to sound really good. But what I didn't realize was a couple of things. First of all, my Rodecaster was on the opposite side of my room. So if I was sat working at my computer and I wanted to just quickly record a piece of content, a quick podcast episode, I would need to go all the way over to the other side of my room. I needed to take the cover off the Rodecaster. I needed to turn the Rodecaster on. I needed to plug the Rodecaster in. I needed to actually move the microphone so that it was nearer to me. I needed to reposition myself. I needed to sit in a different seat so that I could actually see the laptop while I was holding um, the microphone. And it was this series of steps that was really, really long-winded to kind of go through. And as I was going through all of these really long-winded steps, I realized, man, I am making it so hard for me to record a piece of content. So today I actually spent um, actually about 20 minutes, you could argue I could have made a piece of content in that time, but I spent 20 minutes rearranging my office. And uh, this is one of the great things about driving to Costa Rica, is these super bumpy roads, so hopefully this doesn't sound terrible, but this kind of goes to demonstrate my point here, is that I rearranged my entire office to make it easier for me to be able to record content so I could tell more stories. And now, if I wanna, if I'm sat at my desk and I'm sat at my computer and I'm doing my everyday work, if I want to go and record a piece of content, all I need to do is to lean over and press the record button on top of my Rodecaster 
and speak into the microphone. And it's as easy as that. And the other thing I've started doing is realizing that it doesn't matter that much about the quality of the content. Now, if you're listening to this right now and you're saying, Jamie, it does matter. This sounds like garbage. I can hear you driving over a back road. Yeah, I hear you. You know, maybe this could have sounded better in a nice studio, uh, in a nice room. But the reality is it's Friday night. I'm going out because I'm going out to meet uh, my girlfriend and some friends at a restaurant. Um, So I'm on the way to that restaurant. And this episode just would not have got recorded today if I waited until I was in the perfect situation to record the content. You know, at the end of the day, I just finished a, uh, an interview with a new student. Um, I had coaching calls today. I had a few other things going on. I didn't have any time today to record content in my working day. But because I'm removing the friction and saying, you know what? Actually, recording this content and practicing telling stories is more important than the content sounding good. You know, making this content more about what I need than necessarily what's going to be best for the audience. Then I'm actually creating this piece of content, and hopefully, it's something that you guys can get value from. So, I wanted to share this kind of takeaway for you guys because this is a big eye opener for me. Is that by removing all of the friction from the tasks that I wanted to do, it allows me to go and to create more content and to actually get better at the skill that I wanna harness. So three really big takeaways for you guys from the episode today that I wanted to share is the first is, you know, small hinges swing big doors. A lot of the time, just a small portion of our actions are driving most of the revenue. The second thing is focus on that thing that drives most of your revenue. There's gonna be times and seasons for when you guys need to build systems, for when you need to be the marketer, and for when you need to be the entrepreneur who's the problem solver. But a lot of the time, you can fix most of your problems in your business by generating more sales. You can hire the right people, you can outsource, you can get teams to come in and do the things that are gonna help you. So by having more cash flow and revenue in your business, it's gonna help you to solve a lot of those problems. So focus on that thing that is the small hinge that swings the big doors. And then finally, a lot of the time, as an entrepreneur and as a marketer, it doesn't matter whether you are selling one-to-one over the phone or whether you're selling one-to-many in a webinar, one of the biggest proponents to getting better at selling is to be able to change people's state and to change people's beliefs. And one of the best ways to change people's beliefs is to actually tell really great stories. So if you're not right now going out there and creating content, you know, and putting messages out there and telling stories, it might be something that you wanna start doing. Just by getting better at telling more stories, you're gonna naturally get better at changing your audience's beliefs, and you're gonna naturally get better at selling more of your dream customers. So guys, I hope this was an enjoyable episode for you. I hope the quality wasn't that bad. Let me know what you guys thought about this episode. We're gonna be doing more of these storytelling episodes just because I need to get better at telling stories. And also at the same time, I think these are gonna be super valuable pieces of episodes that you guys can take away. Let me know at Jamie Atkinson on Instagram. Just shoot me a quick DM if you found this useful. And guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you wanna get something free and valuable from me, uh, we're actually giving away right now our five days to monetize your podcast free training. It's a five-day private pop-up podcast where we're actually going through the three different levers that we used to scale our business using a podcast. You guys can download that for free at changemakersmovement.com forward slash five days. That's number five, D-A-Y-S. All right, guys, peace out. I will see you on the next episode. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. 
One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high-ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.